Good morning and welcome to this fall's first Bible Monday. Now, that does not mean we have non-Bible Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, for those of you who are um, here for the first time this fall, um, all it means is that on Mondays throughout this fall, we're going to have a sermon series that kind of ties together. And I'm excited to tell you that this is our very first Bible Monday series in the Old Testament. Very nice. All right. Um, but see, we have 11 Mondays, and we only need a 10 because our series this Fall is the Ten Commandments. So I'm the setup guy here, because you know, we're kind of thinking that in a room that's majority 18 to 20 somethings, um, you might have some thoughts about rules. You might have some particular feelings about commands. Um, and so, you know, we thought maybe uh, a sermon here at the beginning to get us thinking about commandments might be helpful. So I was thinking about you, and I was thinking, okay, so, you know, what, what shapes our minds and maybe what has particularly shaped your mind about how we think about rules and commands? And, and I landed on this, hopefully. I landed on this moment here it is. There we go. I landed on that moment. Do you remember that moment in your life? It happened like six years ago. So you were like in high school, some of you even, still in middle school. Um, and th I, this is the particular moment from the movie. So six years ago is when Frozen happened. But this moment in the movie really became the iconic moment, which is just fascinating if you just talk through the movie Frozen with your friends and do some theology on it. Anyway, but so this, the fact that this became the moment, but it, it happened because of the song, right? The song became such a phenomenon, like every little girl in the nation posted a YouTube video singing every single word, um, it felt like. And because we knew every single word, there was this one part in the lyrics that we all sang. I'm not gonna sing it for you. No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. You knew it, let it go. No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. See, our culture in so many ways, though, it gives us mixed messages all the time, but in so many ways, our culture tells us that fewer rules equals more freedom. And so that shapes our mind and our thoughts when we're thinking about God's commands. Now, we all respond to commands differently, and I don't want to put anybody in a box, but you know, we would have to kind of think of it sort of as a continuum, but Generally speaking, we, we would fall on either one side or the other of that continuum. We either are rule followers or we're rule breakers. So these are the alts and these are the yeah rights, okay? And you should know which, which your tendency is. So there's a continuum and there are different elements that play into that. But I want to make a suggestion this morning that Whichever of these two tendencies we're operating uh, out of when we respond to, when we hear a rule or a command, anywhere along this continuum, 
our response is a response out of our brokenness, out of our fallenness, out of our sinfulness. Now, there are lots of reasons I might say that, but let me give you this one. This is going to sound a little crazy here. But the reason I think all of these responses to commands are responses of brokenness is because we weren't created to follow a bunch of rules. Now, no, wait a minute. Did somebody need to tell the Bible lady that, like, there are rules in the Bible? And not just the Old Testament. Now, I want to make sure you're clear. Because even in the New Testament, Jesus gives us rules to follow. Paul, who wrote a big hunk of the New Testament, always gives us rules to follow, which is interesting. But we weren't created to follow a bunch of rules. Now, you've caught how I'm stating that, right? We weren't created. Now, for you first-year students, you were here a few weeks ago with me, and we started our, that discussion in Genesis 1 and 2. Every discussion doesn't need to start in Genesis 1 and 2. But for this discussion, I think we need to go back there just for a second and root ourselves in Genesis 1 and 2. Because there, we don't have a whole big list of rules. There, I am totally free to make any decision in God's good creation because all I know is good. Any decision that I would make would be reflecting God's goodness because that's all we know in Genesis 1 and 2. It's a life of total freedom. It's a, a, a life of a big yes. Just say yes to anything. Except you want to stop me, right? Because there was one. There was one, God said, yes, just not this one. And when he did that, he guaranteed our complete freedom. Because now I didn't just have the choice to choose all the yes. I did have the choice to choose against him. And that was an act of love. Because that gave us the true ability to enter into a love relationship with him by, by saying yes to the yes. But of course we didn't. And we don't live in the life of total freedom that everything's a yes. We don't live there anymore. Because we still buy into the lie of the garden. Wait, what? God's restricting you? He's, he's withholding something from you. Um, he, he's keeping something back that's probably better than all this other stuff that he's letting you do. If he would just let you do that one thing, then all of this good would just be even better. And that's how we still so often respond to God's rules. And that's how we get to no right, no wrong, no rules for me. Ah, yeah, there, that's when I'm free. So what I think we have to start with today, Bible Monday, before we start thinking through God's commands, I think first we have to challenge ourselves to see and experience God's commands differently. Because you see, God's commands aren't telling us what our lives have to be. God's commands are painting the picture for us of what he created our lives to be, what our lives would have been 
if sin had never been a part. See, God's commands are another act of love. Because at the garden, he could have just, when we chose the no, he could have just said, fine, I'm done with you. You go figure it out on your own. And we can, you know, we know where that would have gotten us. But instead, he came and said, no, no, let me teach you. Let me recondition the human mind to show you all the things you would have said yes to and the things you would have said no to if sin had never become a part of our lives. The fact that we have a lot of commands in the Bible, like Old Testament and New Testament, the fact that there are lots of rules, uh, it's, not about Jesus, it's not about Jesus being a control freak. God's not power hungry. It's that's all the ways that we humans have figured out to mess up God's good world. And so we need to see that each command is addressing something about how God intended the world to work that is now broken. So my new perspective is when I begin to living into God's commands, I am living the life of total freedom that he created me to live. Now, there are, there are lots of amazing freedom passages in the Bible. I want to go this morning to Romans chapter 8. Now, I wish we had time to just really dig into all of this, but we don't. Um, so let me just do a couple of highlights. Let's start here in Romans 8, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then down in verse 3, and so he condemned sin in sinful humanity in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Do you see there what sets us free? It's the law of the spirit of life. Now, in this passage, when Paul's talking about life, he's never just talking about, hey, I'm alive, I'm breathing. I mean, he's talking about life, that life of total freedom that we were created to live. And it's the spirit of that life who has this law that sets us free. James 1.25 talks about the perfect law. It tells us to look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And so then when you jump down, the, the result of that in verse 4 there, the result of that is that the righteous requirements of the law are fully met in us. We don't just receive life so then we can like, well, try hard to keep following the laws. No, this life, this spirit in us, once sin is condemned, once sin receives the death penalty, notice that it's sin that is condemned, but we are not condemned. I think that's awesome. Um, but once sin has been condemned in us, we now have the possibility of having the righteous requirements of the law fully met in us. 
passage goes on, the chapter goes on in verse 5 to begin to set up showing us the difference between living according to the sinful nature and living according to this spirit, the spirit of life. And so there at the bottom, those who live in accordance with the spirit must have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So let's make a little pun. We have to change our mindset when we're looking at what God's laws are. Now let's, let's, let's get a picture of this. The Bible gives lots of really good illustrations. So let's actually use an illustration from the Bible. I'm going to use one later that's not. But this one's from the Bible. Um, Jesus talks about, and actually several times in the Bible, um, multiple times in the Bible, our relationship with God is given the image of a road or a path. So we talk about our walk with God because it's on, our, it's on a road or a path. And Jesus uses this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. And he talks about the road that leads to life, again, life. And he calls that road a narrow road. Narrow is the road that leads to life. So here we go, some narrow roads. Okay, let's do another one. If you're afraid of heights, just note this. There you go. There's a fun narrow road. Um, Okay, I don't want to go around that corner. Um, Keep going. I don't even know what they were thinking. Like, how are they going to, I don't know how they're going to pass each other here. And probably something like that is going to happen. All right. And then the last narrow road here. I, I don't even understand that. That, that is mind-blowing to me. I don't even understand how that road is happening. All right. So we probably have lots of, we're experiencing these roads in certain ways. If you're anything like me, I have a little bit of anxiety, experiencing a little bit of fear here on these roads. We're looking at the road. All right, come back to me. All right, Um, if I'm driving on this road, I am probably going to feel a bit of stress, right? Um, Some frustration, because it's going to be slow and tedious. If I were having to drive that road, like, often, I mean, maybe once it's a big adventure, but, you know, any more than that, it's just slow and tedious and frustrating and scary and restricting. So when we hear that the road that leads to life is a narrow road, great, right? Now, what if we could create a vehicle that could transport you in total safety, guaranteed total safety, on that road at 200 miles an hour? Yeah, some of you are thinking, greatest amusement park ride ever. I just want to go throw up. That sounds horrible to me. But guys, that's the picture of the life of freedom. Psalm 119, verse 32, Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible, all about praising God for his commands. Go read it sometime. But verse 32 says, I run in the path of your commands. Because you have broadened my understanding. I realize that that path is not restrictive. I don't experience that path as restrictive anymore. I can do anything and everything I was ever created to do or to be on that road. And anything that's not on that road is part of evil and brokenness. 
And so now I can experience the narrow road this way. I can be set free to run in the path of God's commands. Go to the next slide there. There we go. So there's another narrow road that now I don't have to experience as restrictive. So this is my challenge to you this morning. As we're trying to work to think about God's commands differently, to have a different mindset, this is what my challenge is to you. I want you, as you encounter a command of God in the Bible, when God tells you there, don't do something, instead of hearing, you can't do that, you better not do that, I want you to hear, I didn't make you for that. That's not how I created the world to work. And when you're reading the Bible and God says, do this, hear that as an invitation into the life that God created you to live. So go find those commands. Matthew chapters 5 through 7, that's a great place to start. And let the Holy Spirit begin to change your mindset about God's commands. And once you've done that, you are so much better positioned to begin to respond to God's words. But if we stopped there, if we just changed our mindset and it never changed our actions, well, you know, knowing is half the battle, but if you fight half the battle, you lose the battle, right? So we've got to then say, okay, okay, I, th I can think differently about God's commands, but then how do I actually go about doing them? <clears throat> this, is, this is when we think about if I have, if God has, has, created me to live this life of total freedom, he first has to transform me into the person he created me to be, to live that life. And that may sound impossible, but Romans 8 verse 11 gives us some help in that. So it's on down in the chapter after we've changed our mindset. Romans 8 11 says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, that's life, to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That's great. It's a lot of words, and it kind of goes round and round. So we usually kind of read a lot of words like that and kind of boil it down to something like this. If the spirit is living in you, then he'll give you life. Great. Yes, that's the basic structure of that sentence. But if you boil it down to that, you miss what this verse is screaming at you, which might look something like this. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Do you see what that means? The same spirit, the same power that defeated death Death, which was the punishment for us rejecting our lives of total freedom in the first place, the power that defeated death is the same power that can give you the life that you were created to live. See how that goes together. This is not something that I have to do on my own. That power is available to me to do this. 
Now, how does God walk this out in our lives? I want you to hear two things. Sometimes God transformed me so that I keep his commands. And sometimes I keep his commands so that God can transform me. Let's look at both of those. The first one, sometimes God transforms me so that I keep his commands. I want to give you an image for this one. This is not a biblical image. It kind of has some, but no, this is totally, totally modern. Um, I'm going to go with an Olympic athlete, and I'm going to pick the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time, Michael Phelps, who is a swimmer, but he is most specifically, good job, yay, shout out to Michael Phelps, wherever you are. Um, most specifically, he is known for being a butterflyer, right? The best butterflyer of all time. Now, Michael Phelps, Olympic athlete, when his coach um, is, is coming to talk to him right before an Olympic race, Michael Phelps' coach does not say, all right, now, Michael, remember, when you kick your feet, keep them both together. And when you come into the wall, make sure you touch with both hands. Michael Phelps would be like, what are you talking about? Duh. Now, those are the rules of swimming the butterfly. And Michael Phelps has to obey those rules or Michael Phelps is going to get disqualified from the race, right? So Michael Phelps does that, but his coach doesn't have to tell him that. Michael Phelps has been so transformed into a butterflyer that he just does that. He doesn't even think about it. Like, if you told Michael Phelps not to do those things, he probably would have a hard time. Like, that's just what he does. Sometimes God transforms us so that we keep his commands. It's not anymore so that I have to keep his commands or so that I should keep his commands. I don't even have to think about keeping his command. He has transformed me into such a way that keeping his command is just what I do. He transforms the person I am into the person who keeps his commands, who lives that life of total freedom. I want you to hear proclaimed today that our God can, will, and does transform you to keep his command. You don't have to sit and struggle. He does do that. It is possible in our lives. And we need to know that and believe that. And yet as we walk out our lives, we also know that sometimes I don't get that transformation in a moment, right when I, I'm like, Lord, I, I want this. And he, it doesn't come because sometimes we keep God's commands so that we can, so that he can transform us. Now this is little kid Michael Phelps. This is the image I want you to have. This is the Michael Phelps who was um, the ADHD kid who his mom brought to the pool and said, can you please just drain some of this kid's energy for me? Did you know that story? That's awesome. That's amazing. Becomes the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time. But now that Michael Phelps, when he's diving in the, about to dive in the pool for his first race, his coach probably did come to him and say, all right, Michael, now when you kick, keep those feet together. And when you come into the wall, touch with both hands. So here's Michael, feet together, both hands, feet together, both hands. 
And he, he works on that, and he works on that, and he works on that, and he works on that. Now, this metaphor starts breaking down. Because, especially for those of us who lean to the rule following, the ought end of the spectrum, we don't work our way towards transformation. All we do is follow in faithful obedience, making space for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives to do his work of transformation. Really, I led you astray because to become the person who, who, who just does God's commands, it's always going to take God's transformation. But sometimes that is preceded by me just walking faithfully in obedience, following his commands. And God's not keeping a tally. He's not waiting for you to, you know, follow it enough times. Okay, now I guess I'll just go ahead and transform you. No, God is working with each of us differently, in different ways, in different timing, for different commands that we're walking out in our lives. And so when we go back to thinking about being set free to run in the path of God's commands. Let's see that picture again. Set free to run in the path of God's commands. First, I want you to see that road differently. That is not a road that is restricting you. It's the road you were created to run on 200 miles an hour. And all we do is we start faithfully going. Even if it feels restrictive at first, by faithful obedience, we are making space for the Holy Spirit to come and work his transformation in us, creating us into that thing that doesn't exist right now, that vehicle who can take that road as fast, as far, as long as it needs to be. And when we do that, when we get there, that's when we realize that the truth is his right, his wrong, his rules for me. I'm free. That's our truth. We're not going to end with the song. Instead, I'm going to invite you all to close your eyes right now. And I'd like you to picture yourself in a posture of receiving from God. Perhaps your arms are wide open. Perhaps they're held out in front of you. Perhaps your head is lifted up. Perhaps it's bowed. Be in a posture of receiving from God. As I read these 10 commands, hear and receive God's gentle voice inviting you into this life of freedom. You shall have no other gods before me. I didn't make you for that. You shall not make for yourself an idol. I didn't make you for that. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. 
I didn't make you for that. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is what I created you for. Honor your father and your mother. This is what I created you for. You shall not murder. I didn't make you for that. You shall not commit adultery. I didn't make you for that. You shall not steal. I didn't make you for that. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. I didn't make you for that. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. I didn't make you for that. Holy Spirit, create us into people who run in the path of your commands. Amen and amen. You are dismissed.